Yoswebe, a student athlete and commissioner, the, the great trio right there. And I'm the commissioner of the Ontario Women's Intercollegiate Football Association, and you're listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we're continuing with our series of interviews in support of the Ontario Football Alliance's Greatness Academy, highlighting voices in the football community that promote their three pillars of excellence, growth, and community. And on the subject of growth, I think a few people better to discuss in terms of the growth of football here in Ontario than the Commissioner of the Ontario Women's Intercollegiate Football Association, Olivia Goshwebe. How are you doing today, Olivia? I'm doing great. I always love chatting with At The 55, so it's always good to talk about some football here in Ontario with you. We always love to have you on. So, you know, we spoke not too long ago. Um, I'm sure a lot of people who heard that probably uh, are tuning into this is again. So we don't need to do necessarily the full breakdown. But for those who maybe are only tangentially familiar with UEFA or maybe the first time they're coming across it, talk to us yeah. a little bit about what UEFA is, because some people might know it by, say, some of the former uh, names that the league's been known as. Once again, talking about that whole idea of growth. Give us sort of the quick and dirty of, of UEFA. Okay, so I guess the community aspect of these three pillars that we're thinking of, um, way back when the big community of women's football started with this title powder puff football. We don't go by that anymore, but of course that encompassed a group of women who wanted to play at different universities across the province, uh, compete against each other, play in this version of contact flag football, and then are often coached by the OUA men's athletes. So it's always had a big culture and community behind it. And from then, as women, we've kind of recognized the need to grow the sports that were put on a higher playing field. We're recognized as legitimate athletes within football. So that's where we've kind of grown till this day. So if I were to tell you what a is all about, it's literally about a competitive flag football experience for women in Ontario at Ontario universities, um, competing in three to four tournaments a year in the months of March, and then compete for kind of that provincial title by the end of the year. And we have 400 athletes, 70 plus students, or volunteer coaches and a lot of fans so we're really excited for all the work that we do and it's definitely it's definitely grown over the years um exponentially i mean you mentioning 400 plus athletes i mean that's that's i mean outstanding to hear um you know obviously you mentioned scheduled events during march and towards the end of the year obviously covid's changed everyone's plans and stuff like that what sort of events do you uh either have on the horizon for this coming year or what sort of things are going on having to adjust for uh, what we've been dealing with with pan the pandemic? Really great question. Um, there's a few things in the works right now. It's one, of course, getting all of our teams up and running, making sure that they're prepared going into the new year, especially coming out of this pandemic and finding and ensuring that they have one coaching support and, of course, athletes to kind of come back in and get the sport going. So again, our league is different in that the athletes themselves tend to also run each of the programs. So without them, we can't, we can't really function. So we have to ensure that everyone's back and ready to go. So that's kind of the September plan. But once we get uh, further into the fall, what we're seeing is there's so many groups who want to work with us because we have such a great uh, big community of women in football. And so we are working with different partners in, in Ontario to host a non-contact flag or touch football event to get women back into the sport. We've had a year off, so we got to kind of shake off the dust and get back into the action. And then come the new year, we're hoping it'll be um, a lot easier to kind of keep things going smoothly with a full tournament with all the teams across the province coming together, still kind of fitting in those overnight type events because our tournaments are two days. And we do envision having those 
the end of February to the end of March. So there'll be a lot of action. And we're hoping that even with Football Ontario, we build kind of our relationships and partnerships to make that kind of the biggest it's ever been in its past years. Well, on that point, then, because we spoke not too long ago, kind of just touching base, you know, obviously with what we do covering football, I always want to know sort of where you guys are at. What yeah. kind of conversations, who have you been dealing with to try and like what's sort of that next piece in the works with OEFA? I know we've talked before about the uh, ratification process of having teams becoming fully associated with their schools and the benefits that come with that and also some of the benefits of not being fully associated and also just the connections with other um, groups, you know, like like say the OFA in here in Ontario, what, so what are sort of what's in the works that you can share with uh, what people can say, look forward to or keep tabs on? Yeah. So the key thing was establishing a very positive relationship with all the universities that are uh, participating in this league. And that is at the administrative level with the athletic departments across the province. So we sat down, we met with all of them. We've got a lot of support on their end. It's just a matter of resources and availability of those resources to keep those programs running into the new year, especially after this the, the pandemic. So with that said, there's a lot of programs that are leading the way. Um, and you can see that on the field too, right? These teams have tend to have more gear, they have athletic therapy present, et cetera. Um, of course, that comes with a bit higher fees because you get that administrative support, but it's needed. It's the only way to move the game forward for our athletes is by establishing those relationships and being seen as more legitimate. Um, for those other programs that are still working their way up into the ratification process, it's getting there. Um, we've got the support on their end. It's just a matter of timing or how we kind of envision the game going in the future. So do we switch out of the the contact version into just 5v5 or 7v7 flag? So all discussions that are underway. Then the other element is when building kind of the relationships with the officials associations, the coaches associations in Ontario. Because a big outcome we want from our group is professional development. That's like a huge element. How do we keep women in the game? Unfortunately, there's no um, professional opportunity to play after university. So the next best thing is one, of course, is the adult leagues. But second is getting more women coaching, getting more women um, running associations, working in, in groups like Football Ontario or other kind of athletic based groups. And so we're trying to establish all of that as well and help build our league in the process. And then, of course, the, the benefits of being a part of the PSO, so our provincial sport organization, which is Football Ontario or Ontario Football Alliance, that's a big one. Once we have that under our belt and that support that is seen across the province, I think the, the game will grow. We'll have more young women, young girls wanting to play the game. And now they have a space to go when they go to university, right? On the point of the coaching, I'm curious because I know you had earlier this year the virtual uh, women in coaching conference. I forget exactly how you titled it. Um, But I'm I'm curious as well um, whether you were working at all or familiar with the, the, I'm afraid the exact wording of it, but McMaster, they're running a program with their football team on the men's side where I don't know the exact wording. I don't know if it's an internship. I forget the exact wording, but essentially the apprenticeship. apprenticeship. Yeah. 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 Is that something that you're connected with or just, have you been following that? Cause there's a wicked story. I've been trying to get in contact with them to, to talk about it on the show, but maybe you can give us a little insight into, into what you know about that. Yeah. And that's the benefit of taking advantage of the resources that exist, which include the men's programs that are already running, right? They have such great resources. And we're starting to see those pop up across the way. So in terms of what McMaster has done is they've identified the fact that we need more women in the game. So they've opened up this apprenticeship for anyone who identifies as a woman to apply 
um, and be a part of literally running those programs and um, being on the coaching staff. So how that worked with our group was that it's at an individual team or individual school basis. So McMaster women's flag football helped with the promotions, helped getting um, girls or women aware of the opportunity, um, provided input and feedback on what that apprenticeship could look like. How can it be useful to even take back to our team? So for sure, the two that that uh, two women coaches they've already selected to take on a McMaster were in touch with so that they could help support their flag, their women's flag program. So it's all these little things that are growing the game, um, either at that professional level to then help our individual athletes, which is awesome. And I have to imagine kind of to touch on something you alluded to where there'll no doubt be a benefit for Max women's team now having this connection or this stronger partnership. So I'm sure there's going to be a little more twisting of arms at some of the other schools where it's like, hey, now, you know, and I'm sure it's a mutually beneficial connection, no doubt, for the men's side as well, having this connection. So hopefully first through the door and it'll lead to more success or more partnerships like this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, though, talking about, you know, the idea of representation and sort of giving young girls, young women people to look up to in, in, in trying to learn the sport and fall in love it, with it. Let's talk a little bit about the league and the actual storylines because I'm a big proponent that, you know, the way we fall in love with things, the way we care about things is by, you know, knowing the stories, especially when it comes to sports, you know, knowing the sort of the who are the top players, who are the rivalries, who are the – so kind of off the top of your head as best you can, give me your top three – storyline somewhat league-wide sort of the things that you're looking out for the teams that you know going into this year which I'm sure there's a ton yeah. of question marks but just from how the league left off the three storylines sort of league-wide you're really excited for and then three players in particular that if you are going to if you haven't tuned in to watch a UEFA before you need to be keeping your eyes open for okay um, so there's a few that I'm thinking of I try to do my best to keep tabs on our athletes because I'm so invested in what we do so I'm actively engage on social media, et cetera, Twitter and whatnot. So I can give you some of the headlines. I mean, leaving from last season, what we had was a, a team that went undefeated 18 and 0, didn't lose a game, which was Western. So there's a headline for you. Oh, headline, <laughs> Western goes undefeated in football, <laughs> men's well, or yeah, women's. Right. <laughs> I'm both ends, right? So there's exactly. that one. This, the, this second element there is um, uh, we're seeing even some of our athletes. So for example, I'm going to highlight her because I just noticed it on her socials. Um, Jasmine Ho was actually taken on a part of the training staff for the Toronto Argos. Just, she was out there at training camp. She's getting all the guys in shape. So that's a big headline. I think seeing the results of our program to, to see that women want to stay in the game. Um, in terms of athletes, I'm doing my best to keep tabs on everyone, but we've got a, a few, a PhD student at Waterloo. She's a great de defensive back out of Waterloo. So keep your eyes out for her. Um, she also has a great training partner, Trey Ford, who keeps her in shape. So that, that definitely helps. So, um, and he also helps coach that team. So that's a benefit there. In terms of some other athletes, one of the top receivers in the league is definitely Olivia Gordon out of Western University. She is finishing her last year of Teachers College going into the new year. So that'll be someone to keep your eye out for on the offensive end. Um, some quarterbacks to watch out for um, over at U of T. 
Oh, she may have graduated though, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, her name's Chantel. She's a great quarterback that has played for UT for a number of years. So it, it's awesome to see some of these athletes continue in the sport all the way until they're even in post-grad, as you can hear, PhD students, those in teacher's college. So these are all the, the groups that I'm trying to keep my eye out for. And, and I'm excited to see all these athletes grow in the new year. I just I love just the imagery of, you know, you mentioning just a top defensive back from from Waterloo. And of course, you mentioned Trey Ford's name, but I'm picturing, of course, his brother, who's a you know outstanding defensive back on the men's side and Tyrell Ford. And then you mentioned, of course, top QB at UFT on the women's side. And of course, I think of you know, on the men's side, Clay Sakara, one of the top I know on the male side of things. So it's just great seeing this imagery. And obviously, you know, you mentioning, you know, talent across the province as well. So, you know, I, 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 I love that. And, you know, speaking of Waterloo, because I was speaking with, with Trey Ford recently on an episode that I guess by the time people are hearing this will have already aired. So on the most on one of the more recent episodes that we did, uh, we talked to him about uh, we're talking to him about a number of things. And, and one kind of being the I guess the resources going back to that sort of general idea of that's sort of the big thing that'll help uh, really any program or anything that's looking to grow yeah. get to that those next steps. But the resources that would were available or in some cases not always so available for him growing up that helped him get to the stage of football excellence that he's at and as well looking at things that can, you know improve or other resources that can be added into the just number of things available for young athletes to then help Mm -hmm. the next generation I guess kind of extending that same idea towards you and obviously money is a big one always but um because I know we talked about this before but just on that idea of just whether it's things like we talked about camps and combines things like that what are some of the resources that you know are available if any in terms of getting young women just you know, starting in training, starting getting exposed to football or, or things of that nature, or as well, what do you think are, you know, feasible solutions or things to be put in place to kind of get that next step where, you know, we talk about the mm-hmm. identification of seeing these athletes and realizing that's what I want to do. But then this next piece of like, well, I want to play football. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. How do I then get to where that person's at? Yeah. So like the big thing for me and what I picture in a perfect world is that we start signing, signing athletes to play at a university team, right? Once you see those signings, whether it comes with scholarship or not, that's how you kind of get the buy-in from parents at the younger age group for young girls, right? How are they, what will sell a parent to put their young girl into uh, football over soccer or basketball where they can go off and do scholarships? That's, that's the number one thing is to really put more women out there and understand that there is opportunity at the university level or college level. The second is for any program that is running that has a men's program, there's got to just be a woman's counterpart. Um, I know it's hard on resources, but the, but if you're thinking of flag, it's fairly minimal uh, load in terms of things you need besides the flags and footballs, maybe some cones to do training, Um, get your men's coaches or another community coach to run a, a women's side of things. Cause I'm sure if you promote it well enough, there are girls looking to play, especially at the younger level. Some things that I am aware of is that, for example, Peel region, York region, Toronto district, Toronto Catholic school region, all of those have high school flag programs. So if you're going to high school and you want to be on a varsity team, there is a team right there. Um, football usually exists at most of the programs there. From my research, there's about over 200 teams, and not just in the Toronto region at the high school level, but also in Simcoe, Ottawa has a big region as well for girls. So there's a lot of opportunity at the younger younger level there. 
Um, in terms of what I'm working with, especially a bit on the older end of things, is that I've been playing in the league uh, Touch Football Ontario. So that one's growing as well. And um, it's a women's division. You just have to be, I think, at least 14 years of age to play. So you can start fairly young. And some teams practice. Some teams just come out to tournaments. But that's probably the highest level of football you would get in Ontario outside of the university area. I can keep going. So there's a August Please. 21st. Yeah, August 21st, and this might be after this is released, but there is um, a couple identification camps coming up for Team Ontario flag. So this is all under Football Ontario, which is great. Um, at I think it starts 14U all the way up to 20U and then uh, Women's Open. So play. If you're going to look for anything, try out for those programs because it's a chance to start moving up into the national recognition and opportunities there and tournament travel and playing internationally. Um, etc. So there's that and there's one more in Ottawa in September. So those those are the ones that have been on my radar. Um, and then, of course, we're going to try to create more opportunity. And I think another area our group is working on is community outreach within the teams. So setting those relationships up to bring high school athletes or even run high school combines with the teams that are in that area. So if it's in Toronto, Toronto will run something with the Toronto teams, etc. So or Toronto schools. So that's kind of the the ways we're growing and you can see that there's some like little things in the works um and then the last thing i would like to mention is that we're working on um because they also sit on the female football development committee for football ontario and one thing we're trying to do is an all women's nccp training for safe contact in football and community sport in football so um that'll likely be free and if any women are looking to get their foot in the door in coaching this is your chance to get some big nccp training or certification done that's awesome. And I know, yeah, because I, I know that was a big project of Aaron Giesler with Football Ontario with the safe contact on the men's side. So, I mean, that's that's brilliant that they're extending it all across. And there was a ton in there that I wasn't even familiar with that uh, that you were throwing out there. So I'm sure I'm not the only one who listened to that, who learned a lot about sort of what's available to young women, um, you know, and, and really women at all stages playing football, trying to keep that dream alive and burning. So, I mean, that's that's incredible to hear. And uh, but like we're sort of the subject of all this is that it's all about growth and and growing it even further from where it is now but it's uh it's a it's a it's 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 over it's overjoying that doesn't sound like the right word but it's it's a pleasure to hear where it's gone right now because like I said having played football at the university level in the early part of the 2010s even just in my, in the 10 years I've kind of been observing football at that level I you know it's I can see the growth in in immensely so it's just it's a it's a it's a it's a great thing where it's at and it's only going to get better with people like yourself uh driving it pushing it forward like the project at McMaster all these things going on so Olivia thank you so much for coming on with us updating us to all the great things going on with UEFA and just football for women in Ontario generally so thank you so much and we'll see you soon right yeah thank you so much